Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. If you're a guest, welcome to First Baptist Church of Thibodeau. We're always as excited to have guests with us. And if you're members, just know we, uh, we love you guys, praying for you guys. Um, I'm excited to for this new year, 2024, right? Wow, 2024. With that said, Ed, you think it's important that you understand the trajectory of our preaching schedule, um, some things that we are going to do together uh, as a church family. Um, so I've decided not to jump into the book of First Samuel as yet, so we'll wait another month to do that, the month of February. Uh, we're going to start a new series, series, series entitled uh, The Christian Warfare. So we want to focus on the armor of God. We want to focus on the armor of God. So we have uh, four sermons on that. The last sermon on that will be on prayer, when he says praying at all times, although prayer is not, is not necessarily part of the armor, but it's the glue that keeps the armor together. This is why Paul, in the book of Ephesians, says at the end of the armor of God, he says pray at all times, right? And then Tony will preach for us on prayer again, and then in the month of February, focusing on praying and fasting for the entire month. So we'll have a list of things for you to pray for. We also will have groups that you can be a part of where you can join and pray with them. Uh, we'll be praying for our church, praying for specific things in your life. So just want to give you a trajectory of where we are headed so you can prepare, right? Um, the invitation is for all of us to do this, right? Praying and fasting, fasting. So now you, you can start praying and asking the Lord, what does God want you to fast from, right? So it doesn't have to be food. It can be something else, right? You just want to replace that with praying and seeking God. So we'll have a lot of opportunities for you to pray in the month of February. With that said, let's dive together and let's read from Scripture in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. If you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, verses 10 through 13. When you've arrived, arrived to the text, word word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. This is, this is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Um, I pray that our hearts are open to receive from your word that you speak to us, that you lead us, that you guide us, O oh Lord. I pray that your people are serious about this spirit battle. Maybe, maybe we, we've been lackadaisical in the year of 2023, uh, but in 2024, we're wanting to declare war against our sin and our flesh and against Satan. So God, I pray, I pray that we can put on the armor of God and, and keep it. We sleep with it. We bathe with it on. We do everything with it. Because it is important and vital to the Christian life. 
So God, teach us what we do not know. Make us what we are not and give us what we do not have. We ask all of this in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. The title for today's sermon is The Christian Warfare, The Importance of the Armor, right? Christian Warfare. Christian Warfare. A story has been told about a mental hospital that many years ago devised this unusual test to determine whether their patients were ready to be released into civilization. So what this hospital and the psychiatrist came up with is that they could, whoever was considered to be released or wanted to be released, they would invite them into this particular room. And in this room, they would have this, this faucet that was open, uh, that, that basically water was overflowing in the sink, and then it would overflow on the, on the well. And what they, they would do is they would give this patient a, a mop and a mop bucket, and then they would ask them to mop the floor. Simple thing, right? But what they would realize is this. The patients who are actually ready to be released into civilization would first turn off the faucet, and, and then they would begin to mop. And, and if they were not ready, they would just begin mopping and mopping and mopping and mopping. And that would be an indication that they were not ready to be released in civilization, in the world. Friends, when we look at the Christian life, we think about the Christian life as such. We, we see of the Christian, Christian life the evil that dominates it in, in the world that we live in. There's evil everywhere that we go. And the only way we can conquer this evil, the only way that we can find a sense of defeat is, or we are defeating this evil, is first that we conquer the evil within us. We realize that there is sin in us. And then we turn to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then there is great conversion. But then when we look and we see evil around us, the way that we find victory in that is that we take our mop and our mop bucket. And that mop and mop bucket is the armor of God. That God has given us the armor to fight against sin and fight against evil in, in this world. So friends, here that we see the importance of the armor of God. Why is the armor so important? Because it helps us fight against evil. It helps us see the evil around us. It helps us see the source of evil around us. And this is an issue for so many Christians, right? Because we don't want to see that there are problems in the world. We, we, we go through this world thinking everything is perfectly fine. Everyone is fine. Satan doesn't attack. As a matter of fact, there are some Christians who actually believe that Satan doesn't exist. Well, how can you be a Christian and believe that? But there are some people who say that. We are told in Ephesians 6 that we are, we are in a battle and we face a formidable foe, a formidable enemy, namely Satan. And because of that, we are called to put on our armor because we, we are in a battle. But friends, notice this as well. In the text, it mentions, if you in the book of Ephesians, the first five chapters of the book of Ephesians is centered on doctrines. Doctrines. Who you are in Christ. What Christ has done for you. But every time that we read, every chapter we read, we, we see of the importance of God doing something great. For example, in chapter 1, 2, and 3, we see how God is, is, is being able, he's, he's breaking down walls among races and different cultures. And he talks to us and tells us that the 
gospel unifies people. As, as, we, as, as we look on us today, we see, we see uh, women, and we see children, and we see men, we see, we, we, we see black, and we see Indian, and we see, we see white, right? This is the importance of the gospel. The gospel reconciles. It brings. It unifies. And this is exactly what God has been sharing. Paul has been sharing, and that God does. But here is the important thing that you must understand. As God works, Satan counterattacks. As God works, Satan counterattacks. As God bring down walls, Satan wants to bring up walls. And this is what we see in the world today. Black against white. Chinese against Indians. We're constantly seeing that races want to divide. But the gospel brings. And the reason why there is a sense of division is because of the work of Satan. He wants to divide people. Another example of this is in the book of Ephesians, the first five chapters that Paul's been sharing about the church loving one another. There is of unity among one another. We serve one another. We pray for one another. But Satan sows seed of discord among the church. There's more fighting among the church. They're suing one another among the church. And this is, a, this is a major process. As God seeks to unify the church, Satan sows seeds of discord among the church. Do you see it? And then we notice in chapter 5 that God's great plan and purpose for the family is that the family would, family would be filled. That you have wives who are spirit-filled submitting to their husbands and husbands who are spirit-filled Loving wives and children who are spirit-filled are obeying their parents. And parents who are spirit-filled are what? They are leading and not provoking their children. And then we also see spirit-filled Christians have healthy relationships with their employers. That, that's God's plan. But what is Satan's plan? Bring discord among the family. Destroy the family. Listen, you do not have to be a rocket scientist to see this and look at the world and see how they are constantly wanting to destroy the family. Look, see. Read the news, right? Newspapers. Look on your television. See how the family is constantly being attacked. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying. That there are constant attacks, counterattacks. God moves, moves mightily, and then you find Satan is counterattacking. So, Paul, what must we do? What must we do? We must put on the armor of God. James Boyce stated clearly the victories of the Christian life are to be achieved by relentless and lifelong struggle against evil. He's right. Wake up, church. Stop being lackadaisical. Wake up and see the importance of us fighting this fight. It's very important. Very important. You see, but a lot of Christians don't see this. There are many Christians who don't see this. They, they, they are blinded because, because they are comfortable in where they are. And once they hear the word battle, they're saying to themselves, I don't want to be in a battle. It brings stress and anxiety and depression. And what do you mean? I came to Jesus because Jesus can fix my life. And if I'm sick, Jesus can heal me. And Jesus can make me feel good about myself. You're talking about a battle. 
I didn't sign up for this. If you're Christian, yes, you did sign up for it. And this battle shouldn't bring anxiety and depression. You know why? You know why? Because God has the ultimate victory. Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, have given us the, has given us the victory here. So a, a Christian who truly understands this battle knows that he's standing on the promises of God. Here, God, God, you're stronger than Satan. You're stronger than me. And yes, I am in this battle, and I'm standing on you. This is the importance here. So Christian, be engaged. Do not say this armor is not for you. You didn't sign up for this. If you trust in Jesus, repented of your, of your sins, and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are called to put on the armor of the Lord. Now, this morning I want us to see three things that we must know in our spiritual warfare. This is why I love Scripture. Scripture is not just, just saying do it. Scripture informs us. Why we should do it? What's the reason? What must we understand? What are the implications here? And here we have three things that we must understand in our spiritual warfare. What are they? One, the enemy base. We face a formidable enemy. And I like to quote Shai Lennon, who is a rapper. Um, and he says, a lot of times what Christians do is two, two mistakes is we sleep on this or we make much of it, too much of it, right? So by sleep, sleeping is that we, we say to ourselves that Satan is not formidable. Who cares about Satan? Some even say we don't even believe in, in Satan. And others make too much of this and they give Satan too much power. Do not fall in those two pitfalls. He is formidable, but he defeated for as well. So we see the enemy we face in verse 12. The strength we need in verse 10. And three, the armor we put on in verses 11 and 13. Join me and see for yourself in verse 1, the enemy that we face. Paul tells us of this enemy here. And he says in, in verse 12, the enemy's name is the devil. We face a formidable foe, and his name is the devil. Now, I think it's important when you understand someone, if there's an enemy, I'm just saying practically, it is important that you learn more about this enemy. Know this enemy's name, enemy's name. And what Scripture does for us is in the name of Satan, as we understand, he has multiple names. And by knowing his name, we understand his strategies. By knowing his name, understand his tactics. Just follow me this far, this far, right? Follow me as I look at this. The name devil means slanderer. It is used 32 times in scripture. A slanderer is one who has false things about a person to ruin a person's reputation. That's why we find Satan in the Garden of Eden. False things about God, what he said to Eve about God. His goal is just to ruin. His goal is to have false accusation about you and about God. He tells lies. He's called the devil. So we understand his tactic. His tactic is to tell lies, to accuse you. His other name is Satan. The word Satan is used 52 times in the Bible, which literally means adversary. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, he opposes God's agenda. He violates God's character, and he assaults God's people. He's also called Lucifer, and Lucifer basically means morning or morning, or it means son of the morning or shining one, as we see in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. This means that sin is a great tempter. He brings things before you that will lure you in. doesn't bring anything that you, you would not like. There are things that he brings to tempt you that look great. It looks great in your sight. Another thing that we understand about Satan is that he's called the prince of the world. The prince of the world. In John chapter 12, verse 1, it means that he's a master of false systems. He crafts entire schools of thought that can suck us and destroy us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, calls him the God of this world, small g, right? If you think Satan is not, is not formal, he's called the God of this world, small g, because the big g is our God, right? He's our God. And God has given Satan certain powers to operate in this world, the God of this world. What does he do? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever that they will not, they will not see his gospel is what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He is a formidable foe. He's also called Beelzebub. Beelzebub, Lord of Flies. It was an idol used by the Greek to basically get the flies, swarming the flies away, to, to, to get them away. But the Jewish people called it the God of Flies. This God is a God of Flies, a God of, of filth. And, and Satan is called the God of Filth. Out of filth. He's called the evil one in John chapter, 1 John chapter 5, 5, 19. The word means absolute corruption. There's nothing good in and with Satan. He's called the tempter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. He's called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. In the name of Satan, in his name, we understand a lot of his scheme, scheme tactics. But what does Paul tell us here about the force that we face, the evil that we face, the schemes of Satan that we face, and the battle that we are in? There are three things that Paul wants you to see here. What are they? One, the battle is supernatural. You get this. Come in closer and get this. This Battle is supernatural. Basically means it's not something you can see or feel or touch. It's something in the spiritual realm. Hold up, Kevin. You sound, you sound a little dramatic. That's not charismatic. That's biblical. This spiritual warfare is supernatural. How do you know this? He says we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, your boss is against you over and over and, and persecuting you and hates you. And you're saying, it's my boss. It's flesh and flesh and blood. It's not the spiritual warfare that you don't see, that you need to see. That your children are going through difficulties and you're wondering what's going on with them. It's because it's supernatural. 
your spouse is going through difficulties in spirituality, it's because it's supernatural. You cannot fight a supernatural war or battle with natural weapons. You, you need spiritual weapons. And this is what Paul is implying here because this war is supernatural. What else must we understand? Not only is it supernatural, it is personal. He says we wrestle. The word wrestle here basically means hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is not a fight or a war with guns or arrows or sword. Specifically, the Apostle Paul used the word wrestle as hand-to-hand -hand combat. So this is an idea of the UFC fight. When we watch UFC, hand-to-hand -hand combat, sweat, right? Bleeding. When we see uh, boxing, right? Hand-to-hand -hand combat, wrestling, although it's fake, but it's still hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? This is the idea here. There's a wrestling that happens here. For the Christian, for the believer, this is a hand-to-hand -hand combat that the Apostle Paul wants us to see. So one, he tells us about this battle. It is supernatural. Two, it is personal. And three, the struggle is, is futile. If we try to fight on our own, don't miss this point. If you say, I can do this on my own, or I will fight sin, or I will go and destroy him myself. This is when you fail. This, ba this battle meant for you to fight on your own. As a matter of fact, your strength is not enough. It is not enough. I love what John MacArthur states here. He says, they are an evil, formidable, cunning, powerful, an invisible foe against whom no human being in his own power and resources is a match. Friends, one of Satan's most effective strategies and therefore one of believers' greatest dangers is this. The delusion that this spiritual, spiritual war is not serious at all. Did you get what I just said? For you to believe that, that this warfare is not serious. It's not important. I think it's a major danger for you. It's a major danger for us. And I think we, in this westernized culture, are more susceptible to thinking that this, this spiritual warfare is not serious. You know why? We love our little lifestyle. To change anything, to cause us to be in a battle, it's like inconvenience enough, right? But friends, we, we are called to see this for what it is. There's a battle out, out there. A serious battle. Come in closer. Come in closer. And write this down if you can. Our greatest enemy is not the physical world that we can see with our physical eyes, but a spiritual world that we must see, see with our spiritual eyes. You get this. It's not the physical world. It's not our gov government and legislations. It's not. That's not our major enemy. Our major enemy is a spiritual world world that we see with our physical eyes, but we must see with our spiritual eyes. But you notice what the apostle Paul mentions here. 
says rulers and authorities, powers and spiritual forces of evil all indicate that they form a vast organized hierarchy. When you, when you think about the military, there are sergeants, there are generals, right? There are cap captains. We understand the organization and, and what the Apostle Paul tells us about Satan and demons is that there is a sin organization as well with them. This is why he says Satan comes with schemes. He has a method. In our own day, in our own world, we see how people are rushing, rushing to accept such demonic deceptions. They are. And even Christians are doing the same thing. thing. And this is how we do it. We see certain movements, and we are not open to see the spiritual implications behind those movements. And we say to ourselves, let's go for it. One in particular is the women liberation movement. Now, now there are some good things that women should be as equal as men. There's no doubt women should be able to vote. There's no doubt. Women, women should be equal, right? All of these things that I mentioned very very important but this particular movement is about what they're against god they're against the church they're against god's order for the family and this is a major problem with movements like that but you hear christians who are saying i'm all for this movement and when we think about race, some are taking up the banner to fight against racism. And I say, yes, racism is not a good thing. Putting heavy burdens on men, not a good thing. But we have movements such as Black Lives Matter that is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-family. And yet we have Christians saying, yeah, Black Lives Matter, it's a good movement. No, it's not. It's not a good movement. It is demonic. And this is where we must see with our spiritual eyes. Not because people are saying, let's go against racism. Let's go against a particular thing that we say to ourselves, we're fine with it. No, no. As we must see behind all of this. What's the agenda? And don't forget, Satan is smart. We see certain things like abortion. Sex traffic, all of these things are horrible. There are major problems in our nation. What do we do as Christians? We sit on it. We shouldn't. We should declare war. And the way we declare war is not going and try to shut down every place. Yes, praise God if that happens. The way we, we declare, declare war is going and walking the streets. That's important. And, and trying to rescue people. That's important. Don't get me wrong. These things are important. But the most important thing and the major problem here is that it is spiritual. We can do all of those things physically. But when we don't pray, when we don't put on our, our armor, that is none. I'm saying do both, but one is more important. Put on the armor. It will give you a better perspective as we go out there in the world. This is what Paul is saying. 
It's a supernatural. It is personal. We must fight. Our biggest problem is the spiritual forces behind these things. It's not just the pimp who are selling those girls off or those doctors who are fine with abortion. They're wrong. But what's the agenda behind it? Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers. Demonic presence. But the greatest weapon that you have in your disposal, Christian, is prayer, the armor of God, and seeking God. And the reason why these things are not happening, we're not, we're not, we're not seeing a lot of movement of these things stopping, is it, because, maybe because, Christians are lackadaisical. Maybe the reason why Christians are not stepping out and doing wonderful things is because we are not putting on the armor and seeking God's face. Now, we have a better understanding of the thing that we face. Let us look at the strength that we need. The strength that we need. We see this in verse 10. At this point of the sermon, you are aware of the strength of Satan. I'm hoping, if you've been paying attention, I've shared that he is a formidable foe. And if you're honest with yourself, you would say, I am not strong enough to fight him. If you're honest with yourself, that's what you'd say. And I pray to God that you are, you are honest with yourself. The simple, simple reason is because you are not strong enough. So how can we be strong? This is where we become Popeye. <laughs> you, know, you know, spinach like Popeye, Popeye is very weak. When he eats like spinach, then he gets really buff. And he fights off Bruno, right? For us... The spinach is God's strength. We put on the strength of God, right? And this is exactly what he's saying. We must put on the of God. This is what we need. And if you look at the text, look with me very carefully in verse 10. This is important. In the original language, this is very important for us to understand. It says, finally, Paul is about to wrap up. Finally, be, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The phrase, phrase be strong in the original language, the tense here is an imperative, passive tense. There are two implications here for us to understand, and it's beautiful. One is that it's an imperative. Paul is not suggesting that we put on God's strength. It's not a, not a suggestion, command. In other words, Paul is saying, if you don't, you will fail. If, if you are not, not relying on the strength of God, then there is a major problem in your life. You must rely on his strength. You must put on the strength of God. Then he uses the passive tense, which is a pretty weird tense to use for the word strong. Because it's passive is more of, a, more of a yield, the action, something is happening to me, right? So if Gavin would come and slap me across the face right now, well, Gav, I'm passively receiving Gavin's slap, right? Hopefully he doesn't give me a black eye. Even if he does, you probably won't see it because I'm too black. But nevertheless, this is the, the idea. It's happening to me. I'm receiving something. And the active is something that you do. So here he's saying that we must put on the strength of God. Receive the strength of God. So... I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if I'm working out, I'm doing all that stuff, there's nothing passive about strength. To be strong, you have to go to the gym. 
got to pick up dumbbells. You, you got to do pull-ups pull up so you can look Luke set tall, right? Right? So there's nothing passive about Luke's workout. Luke actively works. Spiritually, he's saying we must be passive. Passive in this sense. This is the beauty of this text here. What he's saying to us is this. We must yield and see the strength of God and stand on the strength of God. This is beautiful because here's the problem for us. If that verb was in the present tense or active tense, we would say to ourselves, well, I can make myself strong. I, I can read scripture as much as I want. I can fast as much as I want. I can do this as much as I want. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Because I've seen people who are going through spiritual battles and they say, man, I've been praying, praying. I've been doing these things. And you know what? I still feel defeated. You know why? Because you haven't put on the strength of God. Because putting on the strength of God, even in the midst of your difficulties, there is peace. So you can do all of those things actively and still miss the strength of God. The strength of God here is a perspective. Put on the strength of God. Before you put on the armor, there will be a time, and Paul will say it later, that you must read, that you must do this, that you must do that. But before you actually pick up those weapons, you must put, put up or pick up the most important of all. That's yielding to the strength of God. How do you do this? How do you do this? Well, he's given us five chapters of how we can do this. It is ruminating, meditating, pondering on the goodness of God, the promises of God. You know how Ephesians Church can do this? By the Apostle Paul saying this to them, listen, listen. And by listening to this, you would understand why you are going to find strength, the strength of God. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavens, even as he chose in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which, which he blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for, for the full time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Is that it? No, there's more. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed 
in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now ruminate on that. Think about that. And by thinking about that, you have no choice but to rely upon the strength of God. Everything mentioned here is what, what God is doing for you. When you understand what God has done for you, then you say to yourself, I want to rely upon his strength. This is the person Paul is saying that we must have. So when we have this perspective, guess what, friends? We can live for Christ. We can put on the armor of God. Come in closer and don't miss this. The power that raised Christ from the dead empowers God's people as they prepare for the spiritual battle they must face on this earth. Although Satan is a formidable, formidable foe, he also a defeated foe. And grace God, the God who is in us, than he that is in the world. This is exactly what First John says, right? First John Chapter 4, verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We should not fear Satan. As a Christian, we see this battle and there is peace in this battle because of our perspective, the strength of God. The strength of God. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul his last, last son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy, as a young pastor, was defeated. He was discouraged. And the apostle Paul reminds him and calls him and writes him and encourages him. And this is what the apostle Paul said to Timothy. Maybe you are like Timothy right now because of the world. Maybe there is fear. But listen to the words of the apostle Paul. I remind you to handle afresh the gift of God, which in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You therefore, my son, be strong in, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And finally, friends, let's observe the armor that we must put on. So once we have a better perspective on the strength of God, now we are commended to, to put on the armor of God. This is when you pick up your Bibles. This is when you fight, right? This is when you cooperate with the Spirit of God here. We yield to the strength of God, getting a better perspective, and now we put on the armor of, of now, this is, in, this is also an imperative, an imperative command. The Apostle Paul is not suggesting. He's not saying to you, well, some Christians can do this and some shouldn't. No, every Christian is called to put on the armor of God. But also because it's in the heiress, it gives us an idea that this is, is put on. It stays on. This is not an armor that we put on, we take off whenever we want to brush our teeth. Or when we go to bed or taking a shower. No, this is an armor, armor you put on and you keep on. Why? Because we are always in the battle. Well, Kevin, do I need to put this thing on when I'm sleeping? You don't understand. I get really hot. I don't like stuff like that. Well, first of all, it's spiritual. It's not full. Calm down. 
But also, I think it's important that you understand something. If you know anything, right? Well, you know a lot of things, but if you know anything about sleeping, you get this. For me, a lot of times when I lay on my bed, I'm thinking about a lot of stuff. There's temptations. There's this, this current at times. Sometimes I can't even sleep because I'm thinking about stuff that Satan is constantly accusing me of, right? Well, here's the beautiful thing. You also need it then. You need it all the time. You, you always need the armor of God. You know what's amazing about this? We put it on. We keep it on. We never remove it. As some Christians, we get tired, we remove it. No, we need to keep it on. The armor of God is also a principle in the Old Testament. And this armor is actually mentioned that God had it on, right? In Isaiah chapter 4, 4 verse 17, he describes God as wearing the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. This is God's armor that God has given us as Christians. We are called to put it on. The arm of God is to be the Christian lifelong companion. It is. It provides divine power for us. In Jude 24, it states, Him who is able to keep from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. How is God able to do that? He does it as well. One of the ways is by giving us His armor that we put on and we keep on. Apostle Paul perhaps was chained next to a Roman soldier as he penned these beautiful words. And as he looked at the Roman soldier's perhaps outfit, the Spirit of God inspired the Apostle Paul to write on the armor of God. And he begins to describe that soldier's armor. And instead of looking at this physical man, he's thinking about other Christians who have God's spiritual armor on. And he begins to list it for us. He calls it the belt of truth, meaning God's absolute truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And then he says twice in the text, the armor is given to each and every one of you Christians to what? To stand firm stand firm. This is, a, this is a military that means to resist the enemy and to hold your position. But God, you don't understand. You don't understand. I, I'm weak right now. I'm tired. Depend on my strength. Stand firm. Report to me, the general. I got it. You are called to stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm in all of what we just read in Ephesians chapter 1. Stand firm in the strength of the Lord. Stand firm that this book is already written and we know the end of it. God is victorious. Stand firm on the, cru on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Stand firm on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand firm. Coming closer, I want you to see this. Our ability to stand in the battle depends on our yielding to God's strength and our use of the whole, whole armor of God. So why don't Christians want to put on the armor of, of God? Here's reasons. I think one, they don't sense danger or recognize the power of the enemy. 
and especially in our westernized culture. We don't sense danger. We get what we want, when we want, how we want. When we sense it around us, we have no choice but to depend upon God. Depend on God, not people. God. Two, we don't have all the weapons. They don't know. They read the scriptures. They don't understand that this is a spiritual battle. Like, like Paul means in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4. Pay close attention to this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have the divine power to destroy strongholds. Paul, tell me these great weapons that can destroy strongholds. Gives it to us. Scripture. Pray fast. These are amazing weapons for the Christian. Put it on the arm of God. Then, third reason why I think a lot of Christians are not put on the armor is that they may be in a comfort zone. It's very comfortable to live cultural American Christianity. I don't want anything deeper than that. We mean the battle. I love my comfort zone. Just call upon Jesus when I want, live how I want to, and don't battle at all. There's a major issue with this. So my prayer for you as we walk through this spiritual warfare is, is to grab hold of Bibles, be honest with yourselves, grab hold of the Spirit of God, trust in the strength of God, and put on the armor of God in 2024. Guess what? When you put it on in 2024, make sure you keep it on. Because it all says... It's supposed to be put on and kept on. Join me as we pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for who you are in our lives. How you work so mightily, Father. And we are thankful for everything that you will do in our lives in 2020. No matter how difficult it becomes. No matter if we are diagnosed with this an illness. If there's death in our family, if we end up losing our jobs, no matter what difficulty comes our way, we understand that we must trust in the strength of our Lord. Give us a, a different perspective and cause us to put on the armor of God. Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. In your mighty and precious name, amen.